Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Cherry Strange, your host. You made it. Congratulations. This is the final episode in the first series of season four for the Stirring Face podcast. If you need a sense of accomplishment, go ahead, write it down, and mark it out as soon as the exit music plays. Yes, another thing done. Sometimes you just need to do that. The unexpected extra thing you forgot you actually were going to do and didn't make it on your list, you did it. In a world where all things are being interrupted and nothing goes as planned, we need all the help and encouragement we can get. If marking down that you finish listening to this four-part series on desiring or yearning for God gives you that encouragement, grab a pen and mark away. In the last several weeks, we've covered important aspects of this concept of yearning for God, whether or not it's what a Christian should do, how exactly we embark upon it, and what if we don't? What if there's no feeling at all? What then? As I mentioned, there are free resources that go with this series for you to download at the website, uh, sheyearns.com, to enrich the series. And people are taking advantage of this daily. So don't miss out. They're not going to go away, but they will move from being front and center as soon as you load the website to uh, something you're going to be able to find associated only with the podcast. So you'll have to go to these episodes on the site with the podcast. Today we want to complete our short dive into the topic of She Yearns by focusing on how we need to utilize it every day. How do we savor Jesus in everyday life? What should it look like? I would like to suggest five characteristics a life takes on that savors Jesus. And then, so let's get to it, five characteristics of a life that savors Jesus every day. The first one is what I would call daily devotion. If you look at John 15, it's very clear. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding in Jesus is another way of calling us to live in him, to make it just your way of life. It's not a drawer you open a couple times a week or take out your mask and you put it on right before you go in the grocery store. Your relationship with Jesus is to be more connected like you and your phone. He desires to be as close as you and that device that's in your hip pocket. The one you cherish so greatly that you don't want to get a scratch on it. The one you check on average 96 times per day. This abiding or living in Him will not just happen. How many times have we started with good intentions and some campaign to exercise more or make a real change in our lives only to quit a few days or weeks into it? Sometimes our abiding experience looks like the treadmill we knew we would use. We were sure of it. So we put it in our bedroom. We just had to have it. It's been about two and a half years and we're using it as a clothes rack. We don't even see it in the corner anymore. It just begins to blend into the background as a once good idea that never materialized. Next week always seems like a better time to get back and on track than today or even tomorrow. That's what can happen in our lives when it comes to daily devotion. It ends up being far from daily and a lot less than abiding. So what can we do? One thing we can do, and this I found very helpful, 
is make an appointment with ourselves. Everybody else gets a pizza me, so I can make an appointment for myself, clear my schedule for that part of the day. Start the night before. Go to bed so that you can get up. That would be the first thing we need to do. And I am preaching to myself. Find a plan you can stick with for reading through your Bible. However you want to do that, whatever pace you want to get it done, there are so many out there these days. You just have to find one that's going to work for you. They're everywhere. It's really heavy on my heart for you to give you this structure to at least be a part of the solution to help make you successful in engaging with Scripture more than you have before. So right now, you can download this 30-day reading plan that goes along with this series. But after this series is over, there will be another one. So I just want you to be aware of that. It's not going to be dated so you can start any time. And it's a trend that I want to continue for you. Then you want to identify a place that you can focus and you can read. It doesn't need to be pretty or big or Pinterest worthy. You don't have to post this and show it to anyone. I personally have a little place in my closet in the bedroom. Now I have an office, but it's not where I do this. This is private. This is my alone time and I want to not be interrupted. So I do this in a not so pretty place that's kind of tucked away where I know no one's going to find me and interrupt me. Do this first thing for yourself. Take the plants off of that spiritual treadmill. Dust off your reading plan. Find a pencil and your Bible and schedule yourself some devoted time to enjoy this relationship with the Lord and cultivate it from your end and you will not be disappointed. And that's what the psalmist articulates when he's not so sure of why he should be sure about what the Lord is going to do. He says in Psalm 22, In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Because of how God has met those who came before him as a faithful God who does not change this writer too could rest in trusting God that whatever he needed deliverance from or help with he would not be disappointed that's how we can approach it also the second characteristic of a person who savors Jesus in everyday life is that they are joyful I'm not talking about personality but that they fight to make it a reality in their lives we hit on this really hard last episode We talked about the connectivity of joy and its impact on yearning. The bottom line is that joy in God is part of our sanctification. It's not just a fruit, but also a command. But we cannot simply flip a switch and become more joyful. It's going to be a fight. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And it's also a work of God in our lives. For Ezekiel 36, 26 tells us, from God's perspective and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh however we can be intentional about it we can like Paul encourages fight the good fight of faith if that feels like a conundrum well it is as we find our satisfaction and worth and meaning in God our joy increases and his glory is reflected in our lives when we delight more and more in him so it is a command but it's not something we can just do but we must do it but he makes it possible for us to do what you and i need is a strategy because what we talked about last time was that the enemy will do anything to try to destroy us and destroy 
any kind of desire we have for God. And it will be a fight. Those negative thoughts, those negative feelings, that sense of despair and discouragement come. They will come. The darkness will come. And we have to be ready and understand how we preach to ourselves and fight back. An intentional strategic battle plan is what we need for joy. And that is what a person who savors Jesus in everyday life knows how to do. There are several active things we can do to fight for joy. And I'm going to mention one in our brief time together today. You want to have some armory for your pressure points when the battle gets fierce. Well, what do I mean by that? Think about the times, the situations, the instances you lose faith the most that you might become discouraged in the most. It probably happens again and again. These are your pressure points is what I would call them. Then let's say it is discouragement. All right, then I would Google verses that speak to discouragement or maybe it's fear. I would Google those or maybe you don't know that you're loved and accepted. Those kind of things. Google it and then See what God says about that. Do what our friend the psalmist has done. Preach the truth to yourself. Put it on your phone. Put it on a sticky note. Put it on your mirrors with a lipstick or a marker. Whatever. But find a way to extinguish that which seeks to destroy and steal your joy. No one else is going to do this for you. You have to do it for yourself. And arm yourself with what is going to equip you for your own battle. The enemy has no claim on you. Your joy in God, he hates. He loathes it. It matters not how he tramples it to the ground. With you wrapped up in it, destroying it is the aim. So you've got to fight back. You've got to know the truth. You've got to speak it out. You've got to declare it in the car, on the street, when you're walking. Tell it to your children. They need to know how to fight too. You will continue to live in defeat over and over and over again without understanding why if you don't develop a strategy to fight back and win. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, I think 27, he says, I beat my body. And he urges us to run and to run not as like you're just someone on the squad. They just let you on the team. But like the team captain, that they expect you to win. He says, run to win. And that's very different. So the woman characterized by a lifestyle of savoring Jesus day by day has in place a strategic plan to fight for joy. The third thing is that she experiences a robust prayer life. She's not just squeezing it in between pickups and drop-offs or before she gets to work in the 15-minute commute or as she dozes off to sleep on the pillow at night. It's robust. Well, what do I mean by that? Does she sit around with nothing else to do? Does she just wait until she's retired with lots of extra time on her hands? I don't think this woman sits around and does anything. Maybe she's retired, but she's not going to sit around. She's probably really busy doing whatever she can physically do. In fact, like you, she's likely tapped out and has more to do in the day than humanly possible. But this is the difference between a woman who savors Jesus in her daily life and everyone else. She takes all that impossibility to the Lord before the day even begins. She trusts Him to bring the resources that must come in and to help her know all she needs to know that she doesn't know and what she cannot do on her own, she gives to Him. Every day she does this and she does not quit. She does not quit. She keeps bringing it to Him and letting Him deal with it. She's able to do this by developing the habit of a prayer life that is focused and characterized by the Word of God. Today, I want to make just one suggestion. If you want to see God 
begin to answer your prayers according to his will in your life and the kingdom to see fruit to grow exponentially and how to pray more and better and deeper start praying scripture one sunday several years ago i attended you know our normal worship with my family at one point in the service someone's going to be asked to pray on the platform before the sermon begins it happens every week nothing unusual and this particular week it was a member of the college group and a young man came up on the stage on the platform and he began to pray and he's no more than 21 years old i never heard anything like it he prayed the word of god with such power the room to me became utterly still he had no notes he had no hesitation he was not scripted he had not simply memorized verses from the Bible. They just oozed out of his mouth, just like a natural flow. The focus, the ease at which the words came out of his mouth, gospel truth that just strung all together like a sonnet, as if it had been rehearsed, but it wasn't rehearsed. It's just how he spoke to God. It just rolled out naturally, effortlessly, something most people can't put together in a research paper if you've given them time and assigned it and said now Sunday we want you to pray and it doesn't matter what the text is in the Bible just find something and link it all together make sure it's flawless and it works together for at least four minutes and set the pastor up to bring the gospel it it just couldn't have been done no this was just him praying to his God and I never forgot it I couldn't shake it well I didn't do anything about it personally at the time except wish I was different. That was until I found a solution in my own life for making scripture work for me in my own prayer life. Part of my problem was logistics. Part of it was ignorance. I didn't know exactly what verses were prayable. Today I have a system. I mean, once you figure out what verses you might be able to pray, what do you do with them? Well, for a while, I wrote them down in this special journal. Well, where where, where was the journal when I needed it? Not by me, not anywhere near me. It was in some stack or a drawer or a shelf somewhere else. So I couldn't get my groove on. But finally, I have a system, a level of comfort, a habit that enables me in my own conversations with the Lord to do what this model of robust praying showed me how to do. That's really the goal, that you can use scripture in such a way that you wield it with the Lord. You you have it so at the tip of your tongue. You know it so well. You know how to use it that it just becomes a part of your language and how you pray. Because if you want to be in tune with what the Lord's will is, pray the Bible. And so that would be my number one tip to you about gaining a a robust prayer life. The next one is a lifestyle of discipline. Haven't we been talking about discipline, you might ask? Well, yes. But if you look at the lives of those who've come before us, whose entire lives, from the cradle to the grave, were spent for the furthering of the kingdom, those we might consider as addendums to the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith, were characterized by a life of discipline. Many of these you only learn about when you read their biographies or you take a deeper dive into their life and the history of the mark that they made on this planet while they walked on it. All were fatally flawed and they needed a savior. But most were disciplined beyond a 15-minute Bible reading and a 3-minute devotional 
for moms on the go. They retreated from the chaos and discouragement life brings and ministry ushers in. They took parts of days or complete days or even weeks to listen and study and hear from the Lord to be refreshed. They fasted. They studied. They memorized. They let the Word of God get into the fiber of their bones in a sense. They spent themselves on others and did not waste their lives on dribble hobbies or sports or TV or pleasure activities. Their lives were characterized by this familiar axiom, discipline begets discipline. If you're sitting at home or driving or doing whatever your life brings you today thinking, I'm not doing that. That sounds hard. Let's bring it down a notch. Consider the question at hand. Do you want to become a person who savors Jesus in your everyday life? Can you look beyond yourself at some things or habits or issues or repetitive failures and say, I wish I were different. I wish I knew more about the Bible or I was hoping by this point in my life I could pray better. Maybe you wouldn't have the faintest idea what to do for more than an hour retreat with the Lord. What are you ready to do? to be more disciplined, to, like Paul, say, I beat my body in a spiritual sense and make it obedient out of a deeper desire for God. Pick one thing. And when you get to that one thing and you do that one, we'll pick up another. Discipline begets discipline. It doesn't beget perfection. Forward movement. That's all we're talking about here. Get some traction. That's what we're after. Finally, a person who's savoring Jesus daily is plugged into community in service and in encouragement. Life is not all about the person. She's attuned to what's going on around her. It's not that she's on 14 committees. It's that she's aware that her neighbor is elderly and that their family lives far away and there's no help when the power goes off and the water is turned off. She remembers that the woman that she knows from whatever she's involved in has missed a few weeks. So she texts her and finds out that there's been a couple of deaths in her family. So she reaches out to her and offers whatever comfort and help that she can. That same week, she talks with a couple of the ladies in her home group that she's in from church. And she shares what's going on with her and what she's struggling with right now. What she's having to trust God with. And they pray with her about that. And they do the same. It's, it's that kind of give and take that goes on. You and I were meant to be in this together. Today, you are receiving and I am giving. But earlier this morning, I read a book by someone else that fed my soul so deeply. This kind of give and take will happen all week long. Sometimes it will be face to face. Sometimes it will not. At times, the encouragement will come from a dead person that lived a century ago. And there will be opportunities to serve a faceless need. The point here is that Christianity is not an individual endeavor. We need both to give and receive because this is how we and others see and hear and come to recognize our Savior in the world today. It's really important not to isolate ourselves in a protected bubble. We can't pull out or pull back and be a light in the darkness. That We can't continue to give out light if we attempt to burn all the time. The woman who savors Jesus in her everyday life is plugged into community, both to give and receive, so that what she experiences is satisfaction in her yearning for God. And what others see is God glorified in her everyday life. So we've got daily devotion, living in Jesus. We've got developing an intentional strategic 
battle plan for joy. We've got the need to have a robust prayer life. We have the need to move toward a life that's characterized by discipline. And we understand that the life that is savors Jesus every day is plugged into community for service and encouragement. But before we end this series, let me make four observations about this life when she yearns for God, what it's going to look like. Number one, you will make different decisions about your time and money and future. Your conversation should sound different, literally, in the business that you operate and the level of crassness that is out there with the friends that you have and the parents that you deal with. Also, your relationships will be different than your neighbor. My family operates very differently in relationship than my non-Christian neighbors. And you might come to the end and ponder, I'm not sure it's worth it to do this yearning business. How can I be sure savoring Jesus and desiring more of God, yearning for Him more and more in my everyday life, It's the best thing for me. Hear what Paul says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them you were dead but by grace he made you alive and has given you good work to do while you are breathing to know him to love him to desire more of him and to share these truths with other dead people so that they too can experience this love this grace and this life is savoring jesus worth it you were dead but he made you alive i pray that this truth becomes so precious to you you have no other response but today by day desire more and more of this Savior. Now, before we finish today, let me remind you one more time about those resources. I don't want you to miss them. You can find them on the website right now on the pop-up in the blog that invites you to the She Yearns reading plan. You're going to get a 30-day reading plan unmarked. You can start it now and go ahead and finish it. And then you're going to get a scripture writing plan that's going to go along with that And you're going to get some journal pages if you were interested in doing that. And if you haven't become a subscriber to the show notes, they're going to come in an outline form so that you can take notes on them and so that you can take them to a coffee shop or something and have something to have a conversation with another person about. Please share the podcast. I really appreciate it when you do that. It's so near and dear to me. The Lord is working. So I would appreciate it if you share it with someone else who might need to hear it. And I just love being with you. I look forward to being with you on this next series that we're going to do starting a week from today. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. And I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know 
of the difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.